Did you know today is old New Year's Day? It says here today is the day that was uh, observed as being the start of the new year by many nations up until the uh, creation of the Gregorian calendar in the year 1582. So why March 25th? Uh, That was assigned as the new year because uh, it is the date when supposedly uh, Jesus was conceived, the Annunciation, nine months before Christmas Day. So today, nine months until Christmas Day would have been the conception of, uh, of Christ. So we've got the old New Year's Day on this uh, 25th day of March. We just had the Chinese New Year uh, back uh, the beginning of February. We got the Jewish New Year in September. Of course, the story goes April Fool uh, was the day. April Fool's Day is called that now because at one time some people observed that uh, as New Year's Day. How many New Year's do we need anyway? Do we have enough, I suppose? We're going to do it until we get it right, by golly. Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, the pandemic has brought to light the incredible pressures working women face, both at home and in their careers. What can be done to reverse the trend of a shrinking pipeline of female leaders? Also this morning, with the critical need to get the state's economy back to full power, the Ohio Business Roundtable is urging businesses, associations, and nonprofits alike to join their Stop the Spread initiative. As everyday life begins to return to normal, the normal everyday dangers return as well. Camp 911 is back to teach kids the basics of staying safe. And in our Throwback Thursday segment this morning, history is full of examples when scientists and inventors neglected to consider the law of unintended consequences. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Thursday, March 25th, 2021. In addition to this being old New Year's Day, which is kind of interesting. I'd never heard that story before. But anyway, it is also, if you are looking for a reason to celebrate today, International Waffle Day. It is National Medal of Honor Day, Pecan Day as well. So if you can't find a reason to celebrate in those, I mean, you're just not trying hard enough. So this is really interesting. Chrissy Teigen said yesterday that she was quitting Twitter. Uh, writing a series of tweets before deactivating her account, deactivating her account, in which she said, quote, it is time for me to say goodbye. This no longer serves me as positively as it serves me negatively. And I think that's the right time to call something. She said, I've always been portrayed as the strong clapback girl, but I'm just not. And, uh, she said, went on to say that she is a different human than I started out here as. Kind of interesting. Now, it says in the, in the story that she deactivated her account, not that she deleted it. So I guess that leaves open the possibility that she could be back on the platform at some time. But research has shown that social media, uh, the use of social media can increase things like anxiety and depression. So the folks at USA Today asked experts about what signs to look for to know that it is time to take an extended social media break or even quit for good. And here's what they came up with. So I thought I would share these and you can determine for yourself whether maybe you need to take an extended break or just sign off permanently. 
They say if you are comparing yourself to others online, I think we all do that, you know, sometimes. I think we're all guilty of that uh, at some point. But if it becomes kind of an obsession, I mean, we're talking about taking these activities uh, to an unhealthy degree. If you're comparing yourself to others online, if you're compulsively checking your phone. Now, again, I will do this sometimes. If I've posted something that I know is going to generate pushback or feedback positively or negatively. You know, sometimes you just know when you post something that somebody's going to have something to say about it. Um, Or if I've responded to somebody else's comment um, and maybe challenged something that they have said, uh, I will sometimes compulsively check to see if they've responded yet. But again, here again, if you are doing it all the time, this is what we're talking about here, could be unhealthy. If your real-life interactions are suffering, that's a pretty big sign. If you wake up or go to sleep feeling off due to what you saw on social media before turning in for the night. So in other words, if, if what you see on social media or what you do on social media interrupts your sleep patterns, if it is interrupting your sleep patterns, that's a bad sign. And if most importantly, this may be the uh, most important sign uh, that it's time to just walk away. If you start viewing yourself negatively as a result of what happens online, then it is time to step off the information superhighway and start living life in the real world. I would concur. Anyway, just kind of interesting, some of the signs. Maybe you have had enough of social media. Everybody wants to live healthier lives these days. It is all the rage. One of the big trends, healthier lifestyles. You want to make your home a little bit healthier. You may want to upgrade your couch. The Silent Spring Institute has found the Silent Spring Institute. I did not know that there is a Silent Spring Institute. Researchers, the Institute, have found that when people replace their old sofa with a new one that has no added flame retardants, levels of the harmful chemicals in household dust drop significantly. Because the uh, <clears throat> the sofa has no added flame retardants. Then again, aren't those things something that we want? I mean, I know they're chemicals and all of that, but doesn't the good outweigh the bad? Maybe not. I don't know. Anyway, it says levels of the harmful chemicals in household dust dropped significantly. They found replacing the foam inside your couch cushions uh, may be just as effective. So if you don't want to replace the whole couch, just replace the foam and the cushions. Experts say that flame retardants can migrate out of furniture into the air and the dust, ending up in people's bodies. Exposure to these chemicals has been associated with cancer, thyroid disease, decreased fertility, lower IQ, and other harmful health effects. Then again, not having them, your house could burn down. So you you choose. It could be... (laughs) Anyway, they go on to say, in homes where people swapped out their old couches for new couches, researchers found a significant drop in the flame retardants found in dust samples six months later, and the levels remained lower a year after the furniture was replaced. Same was seen in homes that only replaced the foam inside their existing couch. So again, you can do either. Experts say you should try to keep dust levels low in your house and also consider replacing the foam in your couch uh, if it is old. 
you should keep dust levels low in your house. Yeah, 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 yeah. Telling me that I'm a bad housekeeper. I already know this. Don't need a lecture. But I don't know. It's kind of interesting. Want a new, uh, want a healthier home? Start with your sofa. What about your recliner? What about your love seat? What about uh, all of those other things that have those chemicals as well? But I guess you start with the couch because it's the biggest furniture item. They say youth is wasted on the young, but apparently life is fullest in your late 30s. In a new poll of 2,000 Americans uh, conducted by the Southwest News Service, Participants say that they peaked or would peak at the age of 37. 37 is the, that's when life is at its best. Though the teenage and 20-something years traditionally get all the hype, they say, 34% of respondents said that their prime will be, well, said that they will peak, they peaked or will peak at age 37 and their prime will be at 46 or older. Oh, okay, I see what it says. Uh, most participants said 30, uh, 37, 34% said 46. Anyway, the bottom line is that old uh, adage of the youth, of youth may be wasted on the young does not necessarily hold true. They go on to say, while tomorrow is a mystery, a hopeful... Two, uh, two in three people polled believe their best years are yet to come. So, no matter what age you are uh, in this poll, you t- uh, tend to believe that the best is yet to come. I like that optimistic outlook. I really do. And lastly, among the first things you need to know this morning, this is kind of a uh, sports story. Kind of very, uh, very interesting sports story because we're into... Uh, NFL free agency, and of course, uh, in Major League Baseball, they're whittling down the teams, deciding what players to keep and what to cut before the season begins. Everyone likes to root for their their team and celebrate when they win, but a new study finds that sports fans like it better when their team succeeds with homegrown players instead of with big money free agents. Homegrown players uh, are defined as those that teams draft and develop themselves. They come up through the system rather than they go out on the open market and sign big money free agents. University of Kansas psychology professor Omri Gillith, the lead author of this study, says people prefer the built teams over the bought teams. Uh, Christian Crandall, also a psychology professor at the school, had hand in the study, said fans appreciate the effort and commitment required to build a team from the ground up. While everyone loves a winner, even more so, we love it when the backstory is based on perspiration and determination. You know, those old adages of sports. Study participants said they also believe homegrown teams almost always have better chemistry, more camaraderie, and more team cohesion. So kind of interesting there. Um, And then there are teams like the Browns, the Bengals, the Lions. (laughs) frankly, we don't care how it happens. Just start winning already. Please, just start winning. Uh, (laughs) Beggars can't be choosers. There you go. Some of the uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories 
to get your Thursday morning started. WFIN News, I'm John Marshall. The WTOL 11 first alert forecast becoming mostly cloudy with a chance of showers this afternoon, a high 67. A high wind watch with showers and thunderstorms overnight with a low dropping to 44. Ohio lawmakers rejected Governor Mike DeWine's last-minute offer Wednesday, voting instead to override his veto of a bill that would change how health orders work. The Senate voted 23-10, to 10, largely along party lines, to make Senate Bill 22 law instead of starting over with the ideas from DeWine's office. The House voted 62-35 to 35 soon thereafter. The law will let lawmakers reject or modify any state health order as soon as it's given and let the legislature extend or end states of emergency. Supporters say these are necessary necessary checks and balances to executive power. Opponents, however, think the changes could cost lives in the next outbreak of an infectious disease. Daniel Barnett, ONN News. The parents of Stone Foltz, the Bowling Green State University student killed by an alleged fraternity hazing incident, have spoken out. Corey and Sherry Foltz appeared in an interview on Good Morning America on Wednesday. The couple explained how they got the news and described the drive to Toledo to see their son in the hospital. Get more on our website. An Ohio State Buckeyes basketball player who received threats after the team's loss in the NCAA tournament is speaking out. ONN's Lindsay Mills has more. EJ Liddell said that he normally has really tough skin with this sort of stuff, but these messages stuck out and he says this type of stuff needs to stop. Following the team's loss in the NCAA tournament on Friday to Oral Roberts in Indiana, he saw messages of threats on social media and shared the screen grabs on Twitter. I just felt like it was time to say something, and a lot of other athletes also felt the same way, like they get comments like that all the time. Now OSU police are handling the investigation in Columbus, Lindsay Mills. Ohio is extending the income tax filing deadline. The Department of Taxation is following the IRS and federal government and will allow people to file up until May 17th. The plan is to allow people impacted by the pandemic more time to file. More news online anytime at WFIN.com. I'm John Marshall for 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. Well, one thing the pandemic very quickly brought to light was the incredible pressures working women face both at home and in their careers. And in many cases, It made an existing problem even worse. What can be done to reverse the trend of this shrinking pipeline of female leaders? Kitty Cheney-Reed is vice president of enterprise operations at IBM and co-author of their new study, Women, Leadership, and Missed Opportunities. And Kitty, gender equity in the workplace has been an issue for a long time. Based on your findings in this study that we referenced, why has the situation changed so much now over the course of the past year? Yeah, so you highlighted it in your introduction quite well. I think um, COVID-19 has shined a bright light on the challenges that women face in balancing home and work. And um, to a large extent over the past year, that has just been reintroduced as um, kind of a double whammy, if you will. Uh, Women are trying, I think, very diligently to balance. Uh, But over the past year, I think many women have just reached a point where they've had to make a decision between really addressing the challenges of being uh, 
mothers, wives, um, daughters, um, and and quite frankly, um, employees. And so many women, especially those in the age range of 20 to 34, have just made a decision to step back and and really remove themselves from the work workplace uh, so they can focus on those things that we highlighted. Um, the great news is that there's hope for those women to reenter the workplace um, and there's support for them if their break is a temporary one. So, um, you know, the study has, again, like you highlighted, given us a lot to think about and a lot to do. Now, to be fair, this pandemic has affected everyone to a certain degree. I can hear some middle-aged white men, such as myself, saying, hey, this ain't been no bed of roses for me either. So what did you find about the, <laughs> uh, what did you find about the impact on women leaders in particular? So I think um, what, we, what we found, what the study highlighted for us is that our pipeline of women leaders as a result of the attrition we, we talked about mm-hmm. is shrinking. Um, and, and maybe not so much just because of COVID, because when we look at the movement between 2019 and 2020, we've taken a step backwards in terms of representation at the executive levels and the leadership levels in our corporation. Uh, so we've, we've not seen the progress that we hoped. And, um, you know, the fact of the matter is 70% of the organizations we surveyed and that are represented in our survey um, highlight gender equality as not a strategic priority for them over the next five years. Um, We surveyed an equal number of men and women, 2,600 in total, and 62% of the women we surveyed and 60% of the men we surveyed kind of co-signed that sentiment by saying, no, my company is not doing anything that I expect to improve mm. uh, gender parity over the next five years. That so is that was alarming. Yeah, that, that is. Was, that is that very unlike. that is really interesting, and again, uh, it, it underscores uh, the the fact that the title of the study is "Women Leadership and Missed Opportunities." You'll notice that the word "pandemic" isn't in there anywhere because this is an issue that was, as we said, exacerbated by the pandemic, but not created by it. That's exactly right, um, and I do think we have a unique opportunity to make an impact. Um, we, we've learned by doing studies like these, we get headlights into issues that might impact our pipeline down the road and, and our outcomes down the road. So we're well, really in a unique position to be able to make a difference right now, right? Um, to be able to reverse the trend. Well, at, and, and, well, and that was going to highlight. No, no, I was just going to, just to jump in, that, that's actually what I was going to ask next. How then can employers support their female employees they already have and reverse this trend by cultivating those female leaders of the future? Absolutely. So thank you for highlighting that. And I would say 
the study itself highlights five areas, and you can read more about them in the study, but I do want to highlight two that I think are particularly powerful and favorites of mine. Um, so, so one of them is pairing bold thinking with big commitment. You know, when a company wants to, and IBM, like any other com- company, wants to drive you know, a change in revenue. They want to improve revenue or profitability. They do very prescriptive things. They create programs. They um, make investments. And quite frankly, they measure and hold people accountable. And that's exactly what we think uh, will move the needle here, is really encouraging people to and companies to, to to think boldly in this area about how they can make an impact and then making a bold commitment, a big commitment to, to making that change and seeing it through. And the second is really a little bit less quantitative, and it's about really creating a culture of intention and insisting on making room. So when we make big decisions, when we staff big jobs, uh, when we launch initiatives, make certain that we're looking at women as potential candidates for those opportunities and um, make certain that we are leveraging all of our good thinking around diversity and inclusion when we come to the table to solve these big issues. Ask ourselves, whose perspective are we missing? And often we find it is the perspective of women and minorities. So creating that culture of intention. And given the fact that that is a growing segment of the uh, population in general and those who make decisions of uh, regarding uh, finances within families and and so on, uh, those are voices you want to have at the table when you're talking about uh, growing profits and growing uh, sales and, and things like that. Absolutely. And studies definitely show that companies that are more inclusive and that have better uh, diverse representation at all levels mm-hmm. deliver better results uh, for their clients, for their employees, for their stakeholders. And so, um, you know, I think your point is a very valid one. This is a business imperative and a societal imperative. Uh, but if you want to be a better company, be more diverse and be more inclusive. A lot there to think about from the uh, study Women, Leadership, and Missed Opportunities. Kitty Cheney-Reed, Vice President of Enterprise Operations at IBM, co-author of that study. And as you mentioned, we've just hit on some of the highlights, some of the key points. Folks can uh, delve into this uh, a lot deeper on your website, I'm assuming? Yes. Please go visit ibm.com forward slash IBV. Uh, and you can see, again, the full women leadership and missed opportunity study there. I encourage everybody to take a really close look. We will link up to it on our webpage as well. Kitty, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. And thank you so much for having me. Well, 
obviously, over the last couple of weeks or so, we have made a big deal about the fact that we are now uh, a year plus into this pandemic, and we are getting to, we have long been at the point where it is critical to get the state's economy back to full power. But in order to do that, we got to stop the spread. And with that in mind, the Ohio Business Roundtable is urging businesses, associates, associations, and nonprofits alike to join their Stop the Spread initiative. Uh, media specialist Josh Rand, uh, Randall is uh, with us, along with uh, Finley Mayor Christina Mern, uh, who are both part of this effort. And uh, thank you both for uh, dropping by this morning. We appreciate it. Thanks. Uh, Josh, I'll start with you. Talk a little bit about the uh, Stop the Spread initiative, what this is. Yeah, so the Ohio... Uh, the Ohio Business Roundtable had came up with this idea. How do we how do we take advantage of the um, Ohio workforce and really turn them into ambassadors for um, encouraging smart decisions around COVID? So uh, what they did is they ended up coming together and starting the coalition to stop the spread. And the whole initiative started out in around early November, reaching out to Ohio businesses all across the state to get them on board to help give them access to information to share with their employees, really, to turn them into ambassadors, you know, in their homes and their communities and really in their workforce to be able to help communicate a message of, you know, initially in the beginning, social distancing, the hand washing, all the stuff that we've been hearing throughout this. Right. And now now really pushing out more information about, you know, participating in the vaccine and, and, well, and encouraging people to do that. That's what I was going to ask. How has this evolved now? I mean, obviously, at the, at the beginning, uh, the idea was let's all get on board, all in this Ohio, uh, all, uh, yep. all together Ohio. You know, we heard all of the taglines. Um, now, obviously, the big push is for that vaccine. Yeah. Yeah, it's 120% focus on the vaccine at this mm-hmm. point. So we're rolling out content, developing toolkits to help employers really have that conversation with their employees, um, helping them educate their employees on the different vaccines, what that process looks like, how to get a vaccine. Uh, just yesterday, I was talking to several of our members who are actually looking at how do we implement um, incentives in the workplace, really, to encourage people to even take the vaccine. So that's another that's another part of it, that, that encouragement side of it. There have been a number of uh, businesses that have uh, at the very least offered workers time off uh, to go and and get the vaccine and for allow for any recovery time that is necessary yeah uh, as well um mayor burn what what has been what have you seen in terms of the um reaction with local businesses uh, pretty much on board i mean yeah. yeah we've had very few violations where some cities have have struggled with this we have i think our businesses we try to have a consistent message early on saying the best way to get keep your business open to get our economy back open quickly and kind of keep things rolling as best we could during the pandemic is to do so in a safe manner and so one of the things that i continually reiterated and that the stop the spread coalition came up um, and really provided additional support with is helping communicate to the businesses why it was important for them to practice you know, a safe environment for their customers, for their employees, and to keep the economy open. You know, uh, during the high school sports season, I heard a lot of people say, you know what, I, I'm not a big fan of the, the masks and, and all of that, but if this is what it takes right. to get the get the kids back uh, <laughs> on the uh, sports fields, on the courts, and, and, and so on, then I'm willing to do that. Has that been kind of the mindset of, uh, of businesses? Because, I mean, we've certainly seen the pushback uh, right. on some of these. Uh, yeah, I would say so. You know, 
nobody <laughs> likes to wear the mask. I don't like to wear sure. the mask. It's unnatural. It's uncomfortable. It's hot. It's cold. It, it is, it, it's all those different yeah. uncomfortable things. Right. Um, but I think that it is the reality of what we need to do right now. And that's definitely been my mentality throughout. And I would largely agree that most folks understand that if this is the steps we have to take, it's largely minimal to be able to continue about life as best we could. The reason I bring this up is obviously in, in the news, uh, the uh, state legislature uh, overrode the governor's veto of the uh, bill that would limit his uh, authority uh, to issue these blanket uh, orders. And that, again, goes all back to the pushback mm-hmm. uh, on these uh, on these orders. And this is not this initiative is not designed to be a political thing. No, it is not. We've we've really stroke focused on the uh, business, you know, lo- businesses all across the state. So yeah, we 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 don't we're not big on mandates. We're not big on on pushing. It's really about education and encouragement, mm-hmm. making sure that people have the toolkits, the resources available to them to be able to have those conversations again within the workplace. I mean, the whole goal of the initiative really is to put Ohio's economy ahead of all of our neighbors coming out of this pandemic. And I mean, it's obvious apparent that we're starting to turn a corner here mm-hmm. so it's really you know being uh, staying on top of uh, being consistent with and, the covid protocols and again that mindset of is, if this is what it takes let's all get on board right. and, and do it uh, we mentioned the uh, vaccine and the push uh, of the vaccine obviously we have just heard in uh, our community uh, some businesses looking at uh, closed points of uh, distribution Correct. maybe uh, in the not too distant future open points of distribution so more and more ways for individuals to get the vaccine correct so obviously early on the issue was that we didn't have enough supply as that's really increasing pretty rapidly the health department and health system which have really been leading the charge um, said how can we continue to provide additional supports or areas to distribute the vaccine. Some of our facilities have on-site clinical staff that have the ability to distribute. So uh, having them be able to register with the state, to be able to receive the vaccine, to have support from public health in the hospital, but largely lead their own vaccine distribution in-house is, again, just helping take some of that burden off of the health department and the hospital so that they can continue to focus on the general public and get that out. So, you know, as the governor has said, and I believe a number of other leaders have said, the best vaccine is the one you can get, you know, (laughs) so just get it. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So uh, where we are now, what then, as we mentioned, the the object at this point, we're out there again, encouraging businesses, uh, organizations, nonprofits, uh, all to jump on board the uh, Stop the Spread initiative uh, with this campaign. Throw this out to both of you. What is the message? What do we want to say to all of those uh, business leaders, uh, business owners, nonprofit organizations, so on? Uh, whether you're a small Main Street business or a large business, I mean, we have support, you know, Marathon's on board, Valve Film, um, the Blanchard Valley Health System, who's been very supportive at sh- even sure. sharing our content in their own social media channels, trying to get the message out there. Um, just you know, take the time, visit the StopTheSpreadCoalition.com website, look at our toolkits, take advantage of those resources. If you, I, I mean, employers have been really great throughout this, having the conversation with their employees already, but it's just continuing to double down on that effort. You know, if there's new resources that you see on our site that you can take advantage of them, take advantage of them, you know, get it out there, educate people, yeah. um, and just continue to be, um, you know, consistent in trying to get people out there to take the yeah. vaccine. And remember that we're, this isn't completely behind us. We got to continue to practice social 
social distancing, avoid large crowds, wear the face coverings, do all yeah. that um, because we, it's, it's a race to get the vaccine out um, and still prevent from spread, which we are mm-hmm. seeing a slight uptick, right. as well as then protecting against the variants that exactly. we're also starting to uh, see. We've referred to it a, a couple of times as we don't have the green light yet. We've got the yellow light right. to proceed with caution. Uh, we're still working to, to get the green light. So let's remember where we're at in this uh, on this whole thing. Again, uh, media specialist Josh Randall and uh, Finley Mayor Christina Mern uh, with us this morning talking about the Ohio Business Roundtable Stop the Spread initiative. Thank you both for taking the, Thanks, taking the time. Guys. We appreciate it. Thank you. You know, we're talking about uh, everyday life slowly beginning to return to normal, and with it, the normal everyday dangers are returning as well. Camp 911 is back this year to teach kids the basics of staying safe. And, uh, uh, Beth, the uh, Camp 911, I, I really like the, the way you set this up because, you know, we have been sort of locked down. Uh, there haven't been as many things for people to do. Parents ha- have spent a lot more time around their kids, so uh, they can supervise more closely. Now, as things get back to normal, kids have more free time. You're venturing outdoors, you get uh, all of those dangers back again. That is true, and that is why we're excited to have Camp 911 back up in person this year and um, get to have those one-on-one conversation with kids. Um I'm a parent, and I know sometimes having those kids, those conversations are hard with kids. Yeah. Um, and so we're, they're going to get those lessons from our first responders, from our fire department, um, from our police department, our sheriff's office. I, yeah, I was so, going to ask, you know, number of agencies uh, involved yeah. with this. This is yep. sort of uh, the, the next generation of folks may remember uh, when, when I was a kid, they called it Safety Town. Right, right. Um, But it, it was uh, more, you know, bicycle safety and was focused on that. This really yep. expands that. Yeah, we have um, programming that includes drug safety. That's really important these days. Hard to believe. That's the uh, kind of, that's the world we live in. It but, is. Yeah. But just even those over-the-counter prescriptions that sure. we might have laying out as adults or right. even visiting grandma and grandpa, mm-hmm. um, are we allowed to touch those? Should we, yeah. you know? So those are some of the things that we're doing. Um, we have railroad safety, so Romic Railway will be coming out with us okay. and, and talking to the kids. Stranger danger is still always a big thing, but we also roll that into internet safety because our kids are tied to devices these mm-hmm. days, mine included. Right. So um, we'll have canines out there. Um, and the biggest thing for these, it's this camp is geared for kindergartners. So those kids going into kindergarten in the fall, okay. um, we get them on a bus. Um, Finley City School partners with us and they bring a bus and we have an awesome driver that comes out and talks to those kids about what to do yeah i mean that's that's any, a big thing getting parent, on that big yellow yeah, bus <laughs> any parent the first day kindergartner that can be a pretty intimidating that's a yeah. pretty big uh, vehicle there that drives up to the house and yep. let <laughs> your kid drive off you're expected to get on that <laughs> yeah. uh, big uh, scary vehicle and off you go so, and what are yeah. you supposed to do mm-hmm. so having that just opening that language letting them see it having that experience we act, they actually get to jump out the back i mean we help them obviously but you know they get in to the get out the back yeah. in, in case of an emergency mm-hmm. and um, so it's just so many cool things, so many great partnerships with this program, and um, they get to be with the first responders. So they see that police officers are their friend or the firefighters, they're they're there to help them. Mm-hmm. Um, they get introdu- introduced to um, our Hancock Public Health, um, and we, we even do nutrition safe, nutrition aspect yeah. to it, too. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty cool. So this is a... 
how long does this run? I mean, is this an all day thing or is it a couple of hours or? <laughs> that is a great question. Um, we actually have two sessions. We have an AM and an a morning session and an afternoon session. So we okay. keep the kids for three hours. Okay. They still have a short attention span at that right. point. So yeah, we don't want to we don't want to wear them out completely. Want, yeah, want to overload them with all of this information. <laughs> yep. So our AM session is actually Tuesday through Friday, June. Um, I think that's June fifteenth through the eighteenth. Okay. Um, and they that is eight a.m. to eleven. Okay. And then our PM actually starts on Monday and mon- runs Monday through Thursday from one to four. Okay. So now the dates this year are what? Um, June 14th through the 18th. Okay, June yep. 14th through the 18th. So it's really actually coming up here uh, before too long. It um, is. And uh, it, folks can register their kids now because you do need to register in advance. Yes, I would. I would. If this is something you're interested for your kindergartner, I would get on it pretty quickly. Um, you can do that through Eventbrite. Um, if anybody's familiar with that website, just go there and find us, Camp 911. Um, it's we also there. have it. Yeah, we have you the guys, link posted uh, on the uh, Good Mornings website, goodmornings.net, so you can get uh, right there. But it's just an online yep. sign up. Is there a cost involved? No. We, donations are appreciated, so we can continue the um, program in years to come. Okay. But uh, anyone and everyone welcome uh, to sign their kids up. Yep. And again, it seems like this may be a long way off, but uh, it's really going to be here before you know it. And with registration open now, I can imagine this is going to say it, it typically signs it does. up. It, you yep. know, it, it goes. Uh, very quickly and so especially with it being back in person this year uh, now, do you have a limited number of openings? I we would assume? do. We do. We're trying really hard to still maintain all of the, that social distancing. Right. Um, we'll have masks and everything. So we'll have 100 kids for the morning session and 100 kids for the, the afternoon session. Okay. So. And, and again, as you mentioned, it's geared for those kids who will be going into kindergarten. Yep in the fall that is so, correct four or five year olds yep. uh, right in uh, in that age range and uh, again you know this is uh, something that it's got to be great to be back in person now, if memory serves did you do this online last year we did do it yeah. we did do a virtual camp last year and we it was fun i mean i i think we had a great outreach with it um we had a lot more people participate just because we were able to open it up to a bigger group of kids mm-hmm. so we had a lot of pictures with family members you know all participating yeah um we are going to offer that option as well if people still don't feel safe coming in or okay. um it's also a great review for kids I, too. I would imagine too if you go to sign up and the in-person session is full then yep. that would be an option that is uh, correct so. um it will it will automatically be running on our facebook page okay. Um, that week so just check out camp 911 on facebook if you uh, can't get the kids in that's uh that's an alternative but if you want to sign your kids up for the in-person camp 911 now is the time to uh, get that and by the way uh this is open to any kids in the county yep anybody in hancock county yeah because you're mentioning the finley city schools bring out the bus but it's not limited to to finley city schools certainly uh anybody in the uh, county and this is out at the fairgrounds first presbyterian first press okay first press is the uh, location We've got all of the details on our webpage, as we mentioned, for uh, Camp 911. Teach the kids the basics of uh, staying safe as everyday life kind of returns to normal. And again, uh, Beth Baker, the uh, Finley Fire Department, yep. uh, with us uh, this morning. Beth, thanks very much for dropping by. We Thank appreciate you. it. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update in the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. 
The story of this woman in Florida who went missing a few weeks ago, lucky to be alive, really amazing. The Delray Beach Fire Rescue Team pulled the unidentified woman out of a storm drain in Delray Beach after a pedestrian heard her cries for help. You usually think of the uh, missing person stories because you hear these in the news every now and then. You know, people who get go out hiking in the mountains or in the forest somewhere and get lost and they have to you know, eat tree bark for a week to survive or whatever. This is unusual. They don't often pull missing persons from the storm drain. As it was about eight foot deep, it is unclear how long the woman was stuck there. Um, police say the woman was reported missing to the Palm Beach County Sheriff's Office on March 3rd. When she was rescued, she was weak, naked, and did not have the strength to stand up. Authorities still trying to figure out exactly how she got inside the drain as the opening is too small for an adult. <laughs> Maybe it was aliens or something. I don't know. That's just all kinds of weird. Just not where you expect to find a missing person. I guess we got to put that down now. Every time somebody goes missing now, check the storm drains. Check, check the storm drains. Elsewhere in the broken news, Maryland authorities sending out a reminder to be safe rather than sorry. After an explosive discovery in Frederick County, the state's fire marshal's office said someone in Jefferson, Maryland, was gifted a Civil War-era cannonball by a relative after that relative found it at a nearby battlefield. <laughs> Just stumbled across a Civil War-era cannonball and brought it home and, and gave it to uh, one of the relatives uh, who immediately was concerned that it could explode. And sure enough, bomb squad was called in and determined that the ordinance still had its fusing mechanism intact. Even after almost two centuries, it was taken away to be safely detonated. The state fire marshal uh, reminds folks, even vintage artifacts from previous conflicts can still blow up from the Civil War. Wow. <clears throat> Elsewhere in today's broken news, police in Jacksonville, Florida, say on Thursday, 34-year-old Edith Riddle was arrested by Duval School Board Police. <laughs> First of all, how, how, how rough is that school district when the school board has to have a uh, police force? That's what it says, Duval School Board Police. A school safety officer discovered a fight happening in the school cafeteria in the afternoon. And Ms. Riddle, again, age 34, was involved in a physical altercation with a teenage victim. Apparently, Ms. Riddle had just exited the school with her own daughter after meeting with the vice principal on campus. But the daughter had exited through the cafeteria so that she could engage with the victim in the fight. They did that deliberately to have a fight before leaving school. The report says Ms. Riddle had a boxing glove on her hand when she arrived at the school and had told the school that it was super glued to her wrist and she could not remove it. Whether that was true or not, um, we don't know. Uh, Riddle's daughter pushed the victim to the ground and threw some punches 
before mom joined in punching the victim as well. Now you know why she had a boxing glove on her hand. The victim suffered abrasions on her knees and forearms. She's going to be okay. Ms. Riddle has been charged with child abuse. Now, that is that is rough right there. Mom came to school to get in a fight with the... Uh, man. <clears throat> I don't know what to say about that. Some people never grow up, apparently. A couple of animal stories in the news. Doctors had to use four vials of antivenom in order to treat a North Carolina man who was bitten by his own pet snake. Uh, the man came into the University of North Carolina Rex Healthcare in uh, Raleigh on Sunday saying that his pet green mamba bit him. Now, the green mamba is an African snake with a deadly neurotoxic venom. So, the perfect household pet. Um, several vials of the antivenom had to be flown into the hospital from the Riverbanks Zoo as they were worried that the man's tissue might deteriorate. He is now expected to make a full recovery, but the uh, animal control unit of the Raleigh police is investigating the incident. (laughs) I want to rethink what you're keeping as pets when that happens. Wow. A swan in a town in England is being super annoying. Homeowners in Northampton have been dealing with a swan that apparently likes to play ding-dong ditch. Uh, Goes around knocking on doors. Uh, The swan has been there for seven or eight years, and about five years ago, the male swan started messing around with people's front doors, knocking on their doors. Uh, One man said the uh, swan rattles his letterbox, doesn't do any damage, but is very irritating. Uh, He says the uh, bird will sometimes keep up this behavior for several hours at a time. Apparently, the bird has only been targeting certain houses on a specific block. One woman said it happened about the same time last year. I think it could be uh, maybe hungry and nesting season. At first, I couldn't believe what was happening, but I've kind of gotten used to it now. (laughs) Swan playing ding-dong ditch. And finally, in the uh, broken news this morning, who among us has not ordered something online, and then when it arrives, it's not quite what you thought it was going to be? You know, you get a package and you think, I thought it was going to be different somehow. I thought this was going to be maybe a little bit bigger, maybe a little bit nicer. Maybe it's just not quite what you expected. Well, a teenager in Thailand has become something of an Internet celebrity after he went online to buy an iPhone on the cheap. Uh, (laughs) When the box arrived, he orders an iPhone. When the box arrived, it was almost as tall as he was. So... He knew something right away was a bit off. Uh, When he opened up the package, he found that it wasn't an iPhone after all. It was a coffee table shaped like an iPhone. (laughs) He said, I probably should have read the description more carefully. (laughs) On the other hand, he has a... uh, uh, conversation piece in his living room now there you go that is uh, today's broken news report uh, brought to you as a public service more or less of hancock county veteran services we now return you to your regularly scheduled programming there are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases wash your hands avoid close contact with people who are sick avoid touching your eyes nose and mouth stay home when you are sick cover your cough or sneeze 
clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. Furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters and this podcast. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. Weekend is coming up. This might be something you want to keep in mind the next time you get together with your uh, co-workers uh, after uh, office hours or hanging out with your friends uh, on the weekend. A new survey of 2,000 people by one poll says 55% of Americans believe that the drink that you order says a lot about the kind of person you are. Fruity drinks, the most popular in this survey, 54% said that they prefer fruity drinks, although more women uh, named them as their favorite than did men, 44 to 31% respectively. For men, most of them said neutral flavors were their favorite, 35%. Those who like fruity drinks, more likely to describe their own personalities as fun. 54% said that they have fun personalities among those who are fruity drinkers. Fruity drink drinkers. Uh, 48% said that they are carefree individuals. Uh, by contrast, only 33% said they are serious. And uh, 36% said they are driven individuals. Uh, more than half, uh, 58% of those in the survey say they prefer light-colored drinks like vodka or white wine, over dark ones like bourbon or stout beer. Just 26% of those in the survey prefer the darker uh, colored drinks. Now, those this again tells, tells us something about the type of person you are. Those who prefer light-colored drinks are more likely to describe themselves as introverted, 61%, or relaxed at 60%. Dark alcohol drinkers, more likely to say they are logical, 46%, and 40% say they are driven individuals. Uh, by the way, this was kind of interesting. Half of all drinkers said that they are uh, they, they feel embarrassed to order their favorite drink of choice in public. <laughs> uh, half said that they are embarrassed to order their drink of choice in public. 49% of beer drinkers said the same thing. So, And I can see that. I mean, for, for mixed drinks, I think it's because sometimes they have just funny names. And you'd be embarrassed to order a fuzzy navel <laughs> as opposed to a martini. That sounds more dignified. So if you prefer a fuzzy navel, you can get mocked for that. And with beer drinkers, I mean, if you don't order, you know, the latest trendy craft beer, you're just, I just want a Budweiser, you know? Uh, then people kind of look at you funny these days. So maybe that has something to do with it. But something to keep in mind next time uh, that you are out, especially if you're a boss, if you want to come across as driven, uh, order a dark, non-fruity drink. Yeah, so what you order says a lot about you, according to the survey. Time now for our Throwback Thursday segment this morning. The scientific and technologi- uh, technological advances of the 21st century are truly mind-boggling. We live in an amazing age, but while we get excited whenever the next big thing makes the news, what's talked about less often is the question, perhaps even more important, just because we can do something, does that mean we should? Dr. Paul Offit is author of the book Pandora's Lab, 
which examines some of these scientific missteps, examples throughout history of the ideas in medicine and science that in the moment seem miraculous, but that we discover later were very, very wrong. We spoke to him about his book back in April of 2017. It is today's Throwback Thursday. There are examples all throughout history of ideas in medicine and in science that in the moment seem miraculous, but that we discover later were very, very wrong. Dr. Offit, what made you decide to write a book about these um, uh, scientific uh, missteps? It, certainly, it was not to celebrate them. No, I, I think what happened, I, I was uh, with my son visiting a, uh, the Franklin Institute, and there was an exhibit called 101 Inventions That Changed the World, a couple of which were um, gunpowder and atomic energy, and it sort of made us think, you know, I wonder if one could come up with a list of, of inventions that changed the world for the worse. And then over a couple of years, when I would speak at national meetings, I would ask people to submit me their list of the top 10 inventions that changed the world for the worse. Which, and the criteria were a lot of praise at the time, preferably won a Nobel Prize, scientific community embraced it, the public community embraced it, yeah. and then it did an enormous amount of harm. And then so this book represents the seven finalists. They all come from people who, at the time, were considered experts in their field, and many today are even even considered experts in their field. These are not ideas from crackpots or quacks that caught on for one reason or another. These are all well-reasoned, seemingly well-thought-out ideas. Sure. So, so you take, for example, a Portuguese neurologist named Igas Moniz developed a, an operation he called leucotomy. He won the Nobel Prize for that in 1949. Here in this country, there was there was a, a, a person who, who who did that leucotomy. He called it lobotomy, and uh, he did 7,000 lobotomies of the 20,000 done. This one person did. He was the head of neurology at, at George Washington Hospital. Which tells you two things: even experts can be very, very wrong sometimes. And number two, you have to wonder what theories today that sound well-reasoned and logical could turn out to be equally disastrous. And I, th I think that's the lesson of the book at some level, which is that, that while scientists can get it wrong, science doesn't. And over time, I think science proves that your, your theory or your hypothesis was right or wrong. And so the notion, for example, that measles, mumps, rubella vaccine caused autism was published in a very good medical journal mm -hmm. by a very good scientist. And, and ultimately, 17 studies have been done showing that that was wrong. MMR didn't cause autism. And so you shouldn't be so quick to jump on it as people did. I mean, people stopped vaccinating their children. Children were hospitalized, and four children died of measles in the United Kingdom when that paper was published. At the same time, one of the other stories in the book is that of uh, Fritz Haber, I think is how you pronounce it. Now, uh, the, the, he won a Nobel Prize for uh, creating a chemical process that led to fertilizers that increased uh, crop production and have fed millions. Also, the same chemical process used to manufacture explosives and poisonous gases, and the same fertilizer that was used to blow up a federal building in Oklahoma City. You're right. It's tricky, isn't it? So, so Fritz Haber won the Nobel Prize for figuring out how to take nitrogen out of the air and put it into the soil. Right. Um, the, the price to be paid for that, probably the biggest price, is nitrogen overload, which is starting to choke off waterways. But you're right. I mean, we have 7 billion people, more than 7 billion people, who live on a planet, really, that could only um, support 4 billion if we didn't have his process. Half of the nitrogen in all of our bodies comes from Fritz Haber process. So, yes, we have him to thank, but, you know, in this case, there, there was also a price to pay. Yeah. How then do you discern between good ideas that are legitimately good ideas and the bad ideas that could ultimately prove disastrous? I mean, we're supposed to trust the experts, but the book makes you wonder if you really can. 
I think you can trust the process. I think the process proves something to be right or wrong over time. I mean, that's, that's the pillar on which science stands it's the most reliable, which is reproducibility. But I think you should be skeptical, especially when, when a claim is a fantastic claim. If it's, if it's an extraordinary claim, it should be backed up by extraordinary evidence, and it often isn't. And one of the other things that you have in this day and age is with social media and with all of the different ways that we get news and are convinced of opinions, there is the added danger that once an idea catches on, you mentioned the the whole vaccine autism link, there are still people today who firmly believe that study that has been debunked. And retracted. You're right. Yeah. And so people have a web of belief, a belief system. It's very hard to, to enter into that belief system. I, I think that's, we're all guilty of this at some level. I mean, I watch, I'm a Democrat. I watch MSNBC. I have friends who are Republicans that only watch Fox News because yeah. we want to feed, you know, what are our biases. Also, the, the ultimate message, I think, here is that innovation is not always progress, that benefit A does not necessarily outweigh side effect B. But that being said, it does not mean that you are one to rail against progress, because there are plenty of technophobes who rail against innovation out of fear, and that's not what you're doing here. No, it's certainly not what I'm trying to do. I think, you know, science has enabled us to live longer, better, healthier lives. But I just think we need to have our eyes open whenever anything new comes along to make sure e-cigarettes is a perfect example. I mean, will e-cigarettes decrease the risk of, of, of lung cancer? It's possible. It certainly there seems to be an inverse relationship between e-cigarettes and lung cancer. But, you know, you're inhaling phenol and, and there, there are other, you yeah. know, and nicotine. And, and, you know, to what extent is that dangerous? And so just, just keep our eyes open. Uh, it has always been one of the top challenges of science, even more so today. The book is called Pandora's Lab, Seven Stories of Science Gone Wrong. Dr. Paul Offit is the author. Dr. Offit, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you. Again, uh, from April of 2017, our Throwback Thursday with Dr. Paul Offit, author of Pandora's Lab, examining some scientific missteps throughout history. And one of the reasons we wanted to dig that up and feature that at our Throwback Thursday today, Dr. Offit, as it happens, of uh, the uh, Children's Hospital of Philadelphia is where uh, he uh, practices. He has been one of the media experts who has been out there uh, in recent months uh, encouraging people to get the COVID-19 vaccination uh, himself, despite a lot of skepticism uh, about that. And he's uh, out there talking about uh, the uh, the extensive testing that's been uh, that's been done on these and uh, extolling the virtues of the uh, COVID-19 vaccine, despite uh, some people's skepticism. And again, he kind of wrote the book on uh, being skeptical and questioning uh, things. So kind of interesting. We've got the uh, link up if you want to uh, pick up the book. It really is a, a fascinating book. Uh, we've got it at our webpage. Go to goodmornings.net from April of 2017. Today's Throwback Thursday. And that is our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. That is goodmornings.net. And coming up tomorrow as we finish up the week, who knew the latest analysis of motor vehicle reporting data reveals that Ohio drivers are among the rudest in the nation? Maybe they just caught us on a bad day. And, of course, we have more recipes from Kyra's Kitchen. Lots to do tomorrow. So until tomorrow morning, that is good mornings for this morning. And now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. Catch you back here tomorrow.